Welcome to episode 160C of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined not by Courtney. It's a men's only day, so Courtney has the day off in her WTA employment life. But I'm joined by two other fine folks who will more than make up for her absence, I hope. Firstly, Steve Flink, tennis historian, writing here for TennisChannel.com. Steve, how are you doing? Good, Ben. It's good to be with you. And Matt Trelope, back on the show after his debut in Australia. Yeah, thank He's you. Working, working here for Australian Tennis Magazine. Hello, Matt. Thank you very much for having me again. So we just wrapped up the quarterfinals, both men and women. Steve, I'll start with you. What was your main impression for, for how the second week has gone so far and, and how it sets up for the finish line of this tournament? Yeah, I thought it's, I think things, obviously we have it, the prospects of Venus and Serena in the finals, which would be nice. Although I happen to think that Kerber is going to beat Venus Williams and yeah. Serena will win her semi. But still, possibility. And then I thought the men's draw really heated up with the two five-setters back-to-back, to to have Federer on the brink, saving three match points, coming from two sets down uh, to win that match against Marin Cilic, which is a big boost to him, and then Murray to hold back Sanga, who came from two sets down to take him to a fifth. Very exciting day for the men, I thought. No, absolutely. I think that was their best to determine by far. And Like you said, having those two sort of parallel matches and seeing the different finish, I mean, if both of them had been comebacks, it would have been one thing. Right. But I think seeing how Murray steeled himself to win that fifth set uh, really, really showed the kind of player he is. And that's the kind of matches that the big four guys have won so often in their careers. And they're just always, they just almost never lose to these guys. Like Songa, you know, as good as he is, he's one of the guys who's very frequently played the role of, of quarterfinal loser in those sort of situations. Very true, very yeah. true. But I think the one thing I just would add quickly is that for as much of a great triumph as it was for Federer with his 10th career comeback from two sets down was a failure for Chilich because he's beaten him before at the yeah. U.S. Open two years ago. He's got him two sets down again. He's got break points at 3-all, of 40 in the third, chances again in the fourth. Two match points before the tiebreak in the fourth, and then another one in the tiebreak. Somewhere along the line, you got to take those, I think, if you're Chilich and you play as aggressively as he does yeah. on grass. Yeah, two second serves he looked at. He it, sure it, did. The first two match points for second serves. Yep. Women's quarterfinals, Matt, not quite as scintillating. I think both, all straight sets. Uh, but they set a pretty good semifinals, I think, at least. At least the one semifinal between Kerber and Venus is the one to watch, I think, probably of the... of the Well, I'll, yeah, I'll say of the four semifinals we have, men's and women's, I think that's probably one I would be most looking forward to. Yeah, oh, look, I agree. I think that's a, a really good matchup. definitely. The women's quarterfinals probably weren't as scintillating as the men's one today. The tournament needed some classics, I reckon, and we got them today. The women's didn't quite offer that, but I think... At the Women, end, women's fourth round, at least, with Redvanska and Sobolkova. There were some amazing that. That matches in that round. But I think what the um, the upshot of the women's quarterfinals was is that we got probably almost the best semifinals we could have out of that. Maybe, say, for Sobolkova not getting past Vesnina, but I think Vesnina is a nice story. But, yeah, definitely we've got... Obviously, Serena's Grand Slam bid for 22 is still alive, which is great. And um, I think Venus and Kerber will just be a magnificent matchup because of the con- like the contrasting styles and the fairy tale that is Venus. And, and I think Kerber kind of firming nicely as someone that can back up her Australian Open win, potentially, and it not be a bit of a flash in the pan or a fluke. She's kind of proved herself quite legitimate at the top with this with this semi-final run. So I think it, it has the potential to be really exciting. Yeah. This would be... I, my first Wimbledon was in 2013, covering in person, as a press person here. Okay, well, uh, maybe I, you're going to bring some luck to Murray the second time around. Huh? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but but I'm just wondering, uh, from your perspective on the Williamses, you've yes. obviously been here for a lot of times, and they were both marching through opposite sides of the draw. Yeah. Does this feel... What, 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 what has that been like, seeing these possible 
sister finals line up over the course of history. Sometimes they, they work out, sometimes they don't. More often than not, when they get this deep, they have. Uh, what has what is, what is, what is that uh, been like? And do you, it, is, it has seemed more remarkable now. It does. You put your finger on it because we expected it in that 2002-2003 period. There was a stretch. Yeah. They played five out of six major finals. It was yeah. almost automatic. And at that stage, it was also almost automatic that Serena would win. Right. And won all five of those. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I think that uh, that we, we anticipated. This one, we certainly didn't. Not with the way that Venus has played all year. And frankly, every time she goes out on the court in this tournament, I keep thinking she's going to lose. She's had to really fight her way through to the semifinals. Great effort. I still don't see how she... I still don't see her beating Kerber the way she's serving. She'd have to yeah. improve her serving by about 10 to 15% to really threaten her big time, I think. Yeah, and for Kerber, Matt, this has been her best tournament by far since Australia, it would seem like. I mean, she had, obviously, a big letdown in the spring. Uh, at least, you know, coming Middle East, she didn't play well, and Indy Wells didn't play particularly well. I think she lost first match. And yeah. Miami, nothing, nothing. Clay, not much. Lost first round of the French Open. But now, I think she's, yeah, I think she's definitely second favorite to win the tournament behind Serena. And I would expect her, like you, Steve, to beat to beat Venus yeah. if I had to pick, for sure. A- absolutely, I-, I think so. I think her game is really, really well suited to grass. Hallett made a really interesting comment in losing to Kerber and said that she was so strong in the legs. And I think maybe even Kerber said that she was able to get down really low and absorb the power. She has just a, a game and kind of a playing style that seems really well suited to the grass. And I think Venus's flat power will kind of maybe play into her hands a little bit. I think it's a ball that she likes and she's she's played against Venus very tough and won against her a lot. So I think, yeah, definitely she firms as the favourite. Perhaps in her defence, though, she she kind of got herself out of that slump post-Australia. I think she made the Miami semis and she might have done yeah. well in okay. Stuttgart. Did she make the final there? I can't remember, but no, she, she kind w- of had a bit I of a... I think, yeah, she, she, she won, won Stuttgart. Right. You're right. Defended she defended Stuttgart, yeah. So she yeah, has right. had she some... Um, yeah, I was just mostly has... thinking of the French, and she lost yeah. early in yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Madrid where I was. But she's definitely she been lost. flatter yeah. since yeah. Australian Open, so this is a really, I think, yeah, a, a good a good result to back up that run she had in Melbourne. Oh, definitely. Um, on Vesnina, I guess, Steve, from your historical point of view, in terms of Grand Slam surprises, uh, not the hugest one ever. I mean, she's made one Grand no. Slam doubles titles, and she's been top 25 before... Uh, and this, I think I think I was trying to do the math, but I think this is the fourth straight Grand Slam where we've had an unseated women's semifinalist. So I mean, obviously yeah. these sort of surprises are not rare on the women's game right now. I guess where where does she she line up in terms of her trajectory, and is she part of a, a larger trend here? I guess. Well, I think that, I think we may see that trend continue because as you've seen it. The, the, there's sort of an instability with the likes of Muguruza and Kerber, and thankfully her Kerber's come back into form here because aside from Stuttgart, she'd had a very disappointing time ever yeah. since the Australian. And so because of the fact that they can get picked off in the early rounds, it leaves an opening that's for true. the likes of Vesnina. I think that's all that's happened. I'm not, not knocking her, and I think she'll play a good semi against Serena, and maybe we'll hear more from her in the future, but but it's more than likely that at the U.S. Open, it's a different surprise semifinal. No, for sure, but probably yeah. one there. I mean, that's what you said, just because these players create draw instability. When you don't yeah. have so- four solid you know, pegs holding down each other, the tent, right, right. they can blow around and something, yeah. some strange wildlife can climb, climb into your, <laughs> to your, your sleeping bag. Nice uh, analogy. <laughs> yeah. Ser- Serena, how, what do you see from her at this tournament so far? She, does she seem on track to win this tournament? Is it hers to lose at this point or is it still up for grabs? Uh, nah. Look, yes, it, it is definitely hers to lose because she, she's the greatest. She's the world number one. I mean, uh, everything about it points to points to favouritism for her. I think she looked kind of shaky towards the beginning. Her first and second round matches weren't great, but something about the McHale match snapped her into gear. She had a real point to prove. There was something about the way she celebrated that match. It was really, yeah, she, she, I just felt like she 
yeah, surprisingly it's, it's, contentious match, it, I would it, say. It was, but it was, but it was like almost the, ten, the tenseness of it from two players you would think would be would have nothing, no yeah. beef of any kind or anything. Yeah. But you know how yeah. she does that wave to the crowd, she kind of smiles and spins around. She didn't have that look when she beat Mikhail. She was kind of you know, clenching her fist. She just looked really determined. And since then, she's had a look about her since she's been playing, that like really reminding people that she's number one, the whole comments impress about no one will break me, my mental yeah. strength. She's been really strong on reminding people about who she is. And she's, uh, been, and she's been almost more defensive about it in some mm, ways, impressive, definitely. reminding people, I think, that she's been the greatest. I mean, I guess, I'll ask for, for you, when you've seen players in the past, uh, I guess this goes for both Williams sisters, but compared to, say, when like Martina was in the later parts of her career and pushing for that one last Grand Slam title. And this goes more to Venus than Serena, this analogy. I guess for that, for, I associate that sort of thing with nerves, it mostly. Is, it and is. and with, with Serena, I've seen that. With Venus, I haven't seen nerves per se yet. You're so right. But, but and, yeah. and when, when Martina had that last final here in 94, she lost to Conchita Martinez. That was clearly nerves. Not that Conchita didn't make some brilliant backhand passing shots to beat her, but that's not even then at that stage in '94, approaching 38, Martina should have beaten Conchita Martinez. Yeah. It was definitely a question of nerves, and that's what I think could could actually undo Venus if she gets into any kind of winning position against Kerber, which I don't expect. No. But if for some reason she's it's three all 15:40 in the third, you know that's where I wonder whether she cracks. What has I, I guess I'm thinking for that match that Venus that Kerber just has to have a bad day. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's. You know, more complicated than that. I think that it's Kerber. Kerber is just so solid, and like you said, she will be so. I think it's a really good matchup for her. They played great matches. Their two styles yeah. have matched up very well. They had a great second round match of the U.S. Open a few years ago. Venus was up five two in the third, and then lost at seven five. Right. right. Uh, they won. When Venus made her run to the final of Montreal couple summers oh, ago yeah, she, yeah. They, they, they played a match. really yeah, good yeah. match there but Kerber's so much better now Ben Kerber, think, exactly right? yeah and now she's won a major and Venus is trying to sort of reclaim it rediscover it rekindle it but yeah. I, I I think she's done very well to reach the semis and 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 I'm not saying she's content but I think that Kerber's going to be quietly confident so let's put in some audio right here to wrap up the women's side I talked to Venus's coach David Witt about right after her quarterfinal win You've been with Venus a long time. It's, it's the biggest result she's had at the Slam for a while. I've just been deeper than this before. But how big of a, in terms of you know, a step does this feel like getting to the semifinals of a, of a Grand Slam at this, oh, at this stage of her career? It's huge. I mean, obviously you could see it on her face when she won. She was absolutely uh, so proud of herself and excited. And uh, you know, I don't think she's looking to stop. I mean, I, I think she is playing better every every match, and I think she kind of sees that. I mean, obviously, her belief, she knows that she can still play and beat girls, so that's the reason why she's here. I mean, her, her belief in winning and going out there and, and doing it. Do you think she ever, with everything she went through, do you think she ever tempered expectations, or is that not her not her style? No, I mean, I, she knows. Um, she she might put expectations on herself to go out and play well, and uh, and when she does it, she's disappointed, obviously, because she sets herself at a high standard. And, I mean, she should. She's a ch- champion and one of the best that's ever played. So, uh, you know, she just goes out there and, 
100 percent and tries to do the things we're working on serve well and hopefully uh, you know can get a w do you think that she has wins matches in different ways than she did you know five six years ago different like a pitcher i guess in baseball who, who ages and has more variety it may not have you know 99 mile per hour fastball sure. anymore but finds different ways to still strike yeah, people out you have to i think when you get older uh, you know i constantly tell her that she's got to serve smart you know not serve big you know play smart hit certain shots you can't just always uh you know, bang the ball. In. And I think she's matured as a player. When you get older, you just kind of, you start to see things a little differently on uh, matches and, you know, watching the match after, you kind of learn and, and see stuff. And yeah, so that's definitely, she's become a smarter player. Uh, I guess having Serena still in the tournament also, do you think that affects her anyway? I mean, obviously they, they met in so many Grand Slam finals. It's familiar yeah. territory for them to be in a, both in semis, but it adds a lot of buzz, I think, to it. On our end of anything, oh, sure. I just wonder if that gets through to, to her or to you. I mean, right now, I don't think she's really thinking about that because she's got, you know, Kerber, which yeah. is, she, I think, lost to her the last two times. Um, and she knows it's very tough to play Kerber. And, you know, I mean, she's a grandson champion, one yeah. Australian Open, so... Right now, I think she's just, uh, well, she's got a doubles match in a little bit, so uh, hopefully they don't stay out there for three hours. But, um, you know, she's just got to go out there and at one, ma one match at a time, and she's been telling herself every match, okay, I'm going to play a little better next match, and that's good. And she's been doing it, so hopefully her best tennis is yet to come. Against Kerber specifically, I guess, what do you think is the biggest challenge? She gets a lot of balls back. She can reflect power pretty well on the surface. Yeah. What do you think is the toughest thing? She, they're both going to have to serve well, obviously. I think whoever blinks first. Um, you know, she needs to really compete on the return games um, and make Kerber work for her serve and not get any like free points, free games where that happens really quick. But like you said, she Kerber likes the power. She uses everybody's power to kind of reflect, you know, her shots and uh, directs the ball around like that. Um, she stays low. She doesn't make a lot of unforced errors. So for Venus, it's gonna she's gonna really have to keep her high-level concentration and focus and not have a lot of unforced errors because she's probably not going to... She shouldn't plan on getting a lot of free points from Kerber. Yeah. All right. On the men side, Roger Federer uh, will be the sentimental favorite at this tournament, as per always, uh, going for number 18. Certainly got some draw help from Sam Querrey, unexpectedly, yes. with Novak Djokovic going out. But against Milos Ronic, I would think that he, after, especially after his long five-setter today against Chilich. I, I think, Ron, I don't know if the odds makers reflect this, but I think Ronich just has to be the favorite to win that match, having won their last match in Brisbane also. Yeah, the Brisbane match I don't put too much stock in because Federer was apparently he was sick, sick all week. week. But sick, nonetheless, right. it was a confidence boost for Milos, yeah. who then went on to the semis of the Australian, and now here he is back in another semifinal. I agree with you. I, we don't know how much how tough the physical recovery will be for Roger either. Yeah. Even though there were no long rallies today, it's still three hours, 17 minutes against Chilich. One day to recover. I don't know. We'll see. Like the U.S. Open two years ago when he had the five-setter with Monfils, right. he was flat when he played Chilich in the yeah. semis. Yeah. And I know he admitted to people privately that he had been feeling a little tired. He wasn't saying it in the press conference, but I know some people that he told that to. So I'm curious to see how, how uh, sprightly he is out yeah. there against Raonic. You see, Matt, obviously Raonic had this amazing Australia run where he made, Rumbers mm. made semis there. 
he seemed ready to, to make this final to you. Well, I absolutely do. I And I just think if it wasn't for his adductor injury against Murray, he probably would have made the yeah, final there. Sure. He was yeah. controlling that match, yeah. and it was just a real unfortunate thing for him that his body broke down. So I kind of think that even though he's still, compared to Federer, a novice at this stage of the tournament... I think in his head he believes he belongs in the final. I think it's this logical progression and he's been very, very steady in his progress. And he just seems to be building this. He had a great week in Queens. He nearly beat Murray in the final. And the way that he's speaking, he just kind of... It's like, this is the path I'm on and I expect it. And, and he's obviously fusing really well with McEnroe and coming forward and getting a lot of success with that tactic. So yeah. I, I just think I think freshness, I think Milos' confidence. Roger really hasn't played a lot this year. There's, um, he's had a good grass court season, but... That match will take a lot out of him, and he was delayed coming into press, wasn't he? Yeah, about half an um, hour. Yeah, it's so press. If you want to read something, if you want to read something yeah. into that, so I think I think Raonic is firming as the favourite there. No, I would agree. I guess I'm curious, one thing that's maybe that I've liked about what, what Raonic has said from the McEnroe perspective that he said that McEnroe's influence has been more in terms of just uh, uh, you know his attitude on the court and how what, what he's giving off yeah. in terms of being I guess more of an intimidating force or something, and that's sort of what I would hope. That more of the super coaching, quote unquote, would be about would be less about you know tactics and form and more about attitude and the intangibles. That yeah. seems like where they would. I mean, as so, as somebody obviously you know who watched McEnroe and who also just knows all the players on both most of the players at least on all sides of these super coaches from their playing days. Do you what do you make? I guess big picture of the super coach phenomenon as a, as a whole and how much credit it should or shouldn't get in the in the in the success like if Ronich wins this tournament let's say it's going to be all talk about McEnroe yeah. who's been with him for all of two and a half weeks right exactly and that doesn't see, that's, that would seem like a pretty cheap easy easy way to explain it to me yeah i think Maybe it not, varies I, ben i think it varies case to case i i i wondered if becker was going to make much of a difference with djokovic initially and i know that jim courier after the 2014 wimbledon final when federer beat uh, uh, federer lost to djokovic in 5 he said that he thought that if Djokovic had lost that match, because that was early in their run, that he might have fired Becker. Yeah. You know, so you can't tell. Then they get on a roll, and how much of this is Becker in the recent success of Djokovic, and how much is it just Novak's own greatness? Statistically, the before and after Becker stats are really good for Becker. Yeah. I mean, like, it, oh, they it, are. It's been really good. And I don't think anybody, because of people, how they see his commentary and on TV and things, they don't see him being the most, like, I don't know, insightful sometimes. No, he doesn't in the see game. him. Right. Right. And so people, I think, are reluctant to give him credit. But yeah, with, yeah. With no, Macro, I think in the end, in the I, in the end, I give him a lot of credit I, because it did begin to gel, and 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 he he was brought in for specifically that reason to help him win majors and with mentality. It gets back to what you're saying about McEnroe. Yeah, he wasn't necessarily brought in to suddenly improve his technique on the volley, although he might have. But it was more so the big match mentality, and he's done a good job. And I think even Isovich. When he helped Chilich to win the Open in 2014, I don't think that was insignificant. I think they've all played their roles. Chang with Nishikori. They've, they've all had varying degrees of success. One guy who left in this tournament, I don't think we've mentioned, said his name out loud, is Thomas Burditch, which is yes. somewhat typical for Thomas Burditch, I guess, over the course of his career to be a bit of a forgotten right. uh, player late in these draws. But he's made it through you know, a decently tough draw. Players who are playing well anyway, beating Vesely and Puy, not the right. hardest draw, no. to make a semi. 
but he he's still in this, and I I wouldn't think he used to have a winning record against Murray. That was right. one sort of interesting phenomenon. But I guess Matt, do you, do you expect much out of out of Tom? You started to laugh, but <gasps> can anything be expected? Can Thomas Burdich win Wimbledon? Let's start well, let's start high and work uh, our way down. Oh look, I I would be incredibly surprised by that because Thomas Burdich has had plenty of opportunities to win Wimbledon, and always when he comes up against one of the big four, he never seems to have broken through. Yeah, or, minus on, twenty ten. Yeah. Yes, 20, 2010. So he has made a final here, but then he ran into Rafa and he lost in straight sets. I think so. Um, he's definitely flown under the radar, but he's had incredibly impressive wins dating right back to about the third round. He beat Zverev, who was playing great. Yeah, that was a good win. He was very close to losing to Veselini, came through that, really steeled himself, and had to come through that one-set shootout when they returned the next day in the fifth. So he's kind of played, like, the mental side of his game has been very, very good. And he, on on the surface, he has a game that should be brilliant at Wimbledon, like the serve, the flat shots. He's just got a game that's tailor-made for grass. Um who knows how he'll come up against Murray? Who might never not played, be quite as fresh. Never played Murray on grass. Apparently, it was, it, oh, for, right, how, okay. for how much as as the top ten guys have all played each other a million times, yeah. it's one permutation that hasn't happened yet. For Murray, he's the guy to beat at this tournament. Now he's the favorite, mm-hmm. um, which is a new. I think it's the first time I, I was thinking back. He's ever been the favorite at a Grand Slam, pretty much at any stage. Because I don't think he would have been ever a favorite in any of his finals. No, definitely and not. So, and so now, I, I guess, how do you think he? can and will will handle that and and going forward what what would a what would another Wimbledon title mean to him after how much history was in the first one no, what would th- a second one do I think the second one would be enormously gratifying to get back to your point though I think that there were signs during the Sangha match of him unraveling mentally a bit mm-hmm. and it was getting very upset with the umpire and complaining about the crowd and the, there were there were moments that I thought then they had the camera on Lendl who didn't look very happy about it. But in, <laughs> when does Lendl look happy though? <laughs> not fairness. often. Not but often. in fairness, in fairness, and again, by the way, speaking of coaches, Lendl, I think mm. it was a great great move to yeah. bring him back in, and no Absolutely. doubt that the first time around he made an, an, a big big difference. But yeah. I think that Murray coming out of this and winning a convincing fifth set, I think he's going to be fine, and I think he's going to play much better against Burdich. I don't think he's going to lose more than a set. And then I think he'll come pri- into that final primed and, and ready to win it. Do you think, I guess, let's look ahead, because I'm not sure we're going to do a show before, but after, between the semis and final, we might, we'll see. Um, do you, would you expect Murray to prefer to play Federer or, or Ronich? That's a good question. He just beat Ronich at Queens, but it was a scary match. It was. Down a set and three love, Ronich has a point for 4-1, Murray challenges a call on the sideline. I don't even think he thought he was right, but he got the call, and then it all swung and he broke Ronich four times who had not even lost his serve once in the whole tournament so that was a that was a, a definitely a scary encounter yeah. for him but I do believe he he thinks over five sets he can handle round with Federer I think he just is thinking I, I that's all right with me but I have to turn it into a long physical match you remember last year Ben yeah where we thought it was one of Roger's signature performances I so thought it good. Was, oh. I thought it was brilliant but I thought it was particularly brilliant from the serving end because Murray couldn't break him yeah and I I think that when they got into rallies, I think Andy did a pretty good job. And if he'd been able to push it into a fourth and made it more and more physical, Roger could have gotten in some difficulty, this time even more so. So I would say that Murray and Lendl's thinking that is that if he makes sure to win even one of the first two sets, and this is now going to become a three-hour-plus match, and he's extending the rallies, that he can beat him in a very different way than he'd be playing Milos Raonic, who's going to attack him all the time. He can make Roger play. So you're saying he prefer Federer? I think he's confident against either, though. I would agree with that. I think yeah. that Federer is just as much as he's, it's a little bit like a, not quite like Venus, as much as he has the the pedigree on the, right. on the grass, still right. he's not at what he was in the past. And even right. if that has been a bad matchup 
for Murray. He recently hasn't beaten Federer in a long time. Right, right. Um, yeah, or I the guess last he, two yeah. years he hasn't beaten him. No, it's not since the back surgery, I don't yeah, think, even. Correct. So it's, it's been quite a while. Yeah. Um, so that's been a good matchup. But I would think that, yeah, Ronich takes the match out of your hands. Ronich is playing well. The Queen's match was scary. He might not think he can escape that twice. And yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Matt? I'll well, bring you like, on this. The slight difference for me would be I think Murray would probably fancy himself um, when he thought about the occasion compared to Roundage. Roundage could be deer in the headlights in his first slam final. You don't know. I, I would think that was unlikely, but certainly Murray has a lot more experience at that stage of a tournament. Plus, there's also maybe the factor of the crowd. I know Murray's the home favourite, but Federer is such a sentimental favourite everywhere he plays that he actually might have a little bit of the crowd support even if he comes in against he Murray. Always does. Here yes. against Murray, yeah, it's happened before. That won't happen against Roundage. It's worked both ways, though, don't you think? I mean, obviously, when they played here in the final in 12, Roger had plenty of support. Mm-hmm. They played in the Olympics on the same court. Okay, yeah, I understand. Yeah. I get a feeling right now the way Andy is now learning to connect with these crowds. Getting better at it. He's getting much better at it that Roger won't have it quite so much in his favor. He'll have plenty of support, but yeah. maybe it's maybe it's a little more neutral. Maybe it even leans slightly toward Andy, who seems to have really acqui- uh, learned how to how to get through to them. The one thing I will say that for for Murray Ronich is that I think Murray might appreciate getting to play somebody besides Federer and Djokovic in a Slam final. It's all ten of his exactly today. all ten of his Slam finals right. have been against the same two guys. Yeah, yeah. which and, is just which is ridiculous. And he's been haunted, <laughs> and he's been haunted by them. And now, yeah. now it could be satisfying, obviously, to to knock off Roger in a Slam final. You know, after having lost to him here and in the U.S. Open and Australia. It would be a nice feeling to get him here, but you're right. Maybe in a, in in a, in a different way, it would be nice to have a, the new experience and and feel like over best of five, he can get to Milos. Last thoughts: your favorite moments from this tournament so far, Steve? Oh, I think uh, I I would say that the the the, the Federer Chilich match because we, you know we saw a dramatic comeback and that that would be my favorite. Um, that that would be it. I would single that one out right now. Matt, you? Yeah, look, that was a spectacular match. That's been my favourite match to watch. But I, I would say probably my favourite story that's unfolded has been Venus's renaissance. I think there's been something really heartwarming about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take Redvonska Sibulkova, which I think is just like underratedly like mm. one of the best rivalries yeah, in tennis. Yeah. They played a lot of matches against yeah. a lot of matches against each other, and they've all gone pretty close, and it's gone both yeah. ways and streaks and stuff. So I'll pick and both so I'll pick en- that one. So entertaining. Oh yeah, against and each fire other. versus ice, very yeah. much so in that matchup. So that was a highlight of the second week. From... Big court. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, two's not not too bad, but yeah, yeah. it hasn't been. Uh, yeah, leave that at that. And thank you guys very much for being with me, Matt, uh, Matt, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you guys very much for joining us here at Wimbledon. If you want to follow along with the show when you're not listening and we're not at Wimbledon or before, during, after our time at Wimbledon, you can do so by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. Follow us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. Subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice, which includes iTunes and the Apple podcast app. And on there, leave us reviews. We like that. The executive producers of No Challenges Remaining are Pancho Rosendez of TennisBalls.com and Tal Woolley. From Wimbledon, enjoy the rest of the tennis, guys. Bye.